What's up, everybody? It's the Aired Out Podcast. My name is Avery Collins. I am the best analyst you've ever heard of. I am joined with <laughs> I am joined with Jerome Jones, our CEO. Shout out to him hey. and fellow uh, inside the hashes analyst Chris Thomas. Everybody say what's up. What up? All right, so we're going to jump right into this because we were having a little discussion off air, and I'm not sure. Where Chris's head is on this, um, me and Jerome seem to agree here because I'm thinking that we have some type of sense here. Um, <laughs> and, and Chris, uh, he disagrees. So the question was whether or not Christian McCaffrey was overrated. And Chris feels like he is. So, Chris, go ahead, go ahead and state, state, your, state your piece. I just think he's completely overrated. I think in terms of the volume and how he's getting his touches, in terms of the check down and the offense – like, he's just getting swing passes. I just think his volume is just a bunch of empty calories. It doesn't truly impact the game in terms of how Carolina is being successful. I just think he's overrated. I can't agree with that. I think, like I said, so like one of the things I was stating off, off mic here was the fact that I think Carolina's deteriorating season happened because of Cam more so than it happened anything else. I believe that Cam's injury was more catastrophic than people really under, uh, understood and really, really cared to to talk about. I feel like you're talking about his touches and everything. He had 219 carries for 1,098 yards. He had seven touchdowns rushing. Then he had 107 catches for 867 yards and six touchdowns. That, I'm sorry, that to me, you're not going to tell me that somebody's overrated. Oh, 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 no, no, no. One of those layers, you're actually using stats now, but yet when I use the same stats for Antonio Brown and to why he was better than Julio but Jones, people are like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. All you got to do is just stats, watch the tape. I, listen, all you got to do is just okay, watch the you tape. You watch the tape as well, and you put this out. See, you're misconstruing what I was saying. When you talk about stats, there has to be something else as well. There has to be tape on there. You have to use both. You can't just use. One, and then try to justify and make that your argument. The thing is, the tape and the numbers prove Christian McCaffrey is not overrated. Over 1,800 yards and what's that, double-digit touchdowns? I'm sorry. I don't – I mean, you're not going to convince me that this guy is overrated. He averaged five yards of a touch when he was rushing the football. And and he was one of those people, oh, he can't run inside the tackle. He can't. Most of his runs came inside the tackle this year. If you watch the film, the majority of his run were inside the tackle. So I don't, I, to me, I'm sorry, I just don't understand. And then you compare them to Alvin Kamara. And I'm like, Alvin Kamara is a freak of nature. We're not going to sit here and say that Christian McCaffrey is Alvin Kamara. We're not going to say that. I'm, I wouldn't do that. But to say that he's under, oh, excuse me, overrated, that's completely, I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled as to where this premise comes from. Because I'm like, you're talking about his touches and you're talking about his impact on the game. If Christian McCaffrey's not on that field, the Panthers aren't in any of the games that they were in this year. Now, I understand that the record, uh, uh, they, they fell off towards the end of the year. But like I said, I put that more so on Cam Newton. You're talking about touchdowns that were just completely terribly thrown f- footballs. That, that Christian McCaffrey can't throw himself the football. Christian McCaffrey is not the quarterback throwing the football to the receivers. Cam Newton was missing wide open guys and and and, and passes that should have been thrown. I would like to add, because I don't want to get too much into this little debate y'all guys having, but I would like to add that 
Cam Newton's numbers were a lot higher because completion percentage was ex- ex- yeah. extremely high. And yeah, because Cam Newton would just do some dump off passes, and Christian McCaffrey would just run and get like all the yards. So all the like a lot of the stats that you see from Cam, um, Cam this year, because his numbers look pretty well this year, is mostly Christian McCaffrey. Like uh, like I think I'm, like thirty percent of his passes are like from two Christian McCaffrey. So. Christian McCaffrey not on that team this year, and I don't even. I it, it, it'd be a real tough season, the way Cam played down the stretch, spe- specifically because of injury. I think that Christian McCaffrey is is definitely not overrated. Do you want to comment any further, or should we move on? Just gonna have to agree to disagree. All right, sounds good to me. So, with that being said, the playoffs, playoffs, the playoffs are underway. Wild card weekend has officially passed. We're moving into division round. So, we want to start with the playoff reactions, of course. With that being said, uh, let's go with the first question is, what to you was the most entertaining game of the weekend? And I'll start with Jerome. Well, you already know what I'm going to say. That Eagles game. <laughs> and the, not only that, it was the most exciting game because it was one of the best defenses against Nick Foles' game. I think because... I honestly, I almost died like during that game. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sick and I was yelling. I'm like getting nervous. I, got, I was yelling. I, was, I got super excited. I couldn't breathe. I had to calm myself down. The ending to that game was crazy. Like during the whole game, like you couldn't stay like at ease. Like the entire game, the game was back and forth, back and forth. I think like games like that are a lot more exciting than seeing like a whole bunch of. Balls being thrown everywhere and touchdowns flying and things like that. Me personally, being a defensive guy, so that game was the most exciting to me. Okay, okay, and Chris, I was also going to say Eagles um, versus Bears, obviously because of the ending, the sixty-yard drive that Nick Foles um, was able to orchestrate in order to take the lead to begin with. But I'm going to go a different route. I'm actually going to say uh, Chargers Ravens. I knew he was going there. Yeah, I'm. Lamar Jackson struggled heavily early. And let's be honest, let's give props to the Chargers defense. They didn't blitz at all, but Bosa, Melvin Ingram uh, was able just to get there without um, the help of blitzing. Their secondary was able to just to man up just about everybody. So it makes it difficult for Lamar Jackson to find winning lanes and passing lanes. But you got to give props to John Harbaugh because any other time, like especially during that second half, he could have gone back to Joe Flacco, the veteran quarterback, Super Bowl winner former Super Bowl MVP, but he decided to stick with a rookie. He knows that going forward, if he's going to keep his job, Lamar Jackson is the guy that's going to be keeping him employed. So it was a good trial by fire thing. Lamar Jackson almost brought him back too, especially in the fourth quarter. But Phillip Rivers just played a ridiculously average game. If anything, uh, Lamar Jackson ended up with a higher passer rating than him. It didn't get talked about because of how bad Lamar was. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, you notice how the Chargers defended um, Lamar Jackson in that game? Okay. It was extremely risky. You bring an extra mm-hmm. safety in, and they're run first team. So that puts you at risk at putting a smaller uh, player against the offensive lineman, and they succeeded. I, I, I was very surprised at the defensive scheme, but I, I loved it. It was out of the box, something that you don't normally see in – Against that type of offense, I, I thought it was great. I, I love that. Oh, for sure. And I think the strat- I think that it's one of those situations where you can, when you have to look at that game and say, 
that game was won on coaching alone. Because to Chris's point, Chris uh, uh, stated that um, Phillip didn't play the greatest. Like, it wasn't the greatest that we've ever seen from Phillip Rivers or anything like that. But defensively, offensively, especially, they did enough to win the game. Special teams. And, exactly. And, and it, was a, it was a situation where, like you said, that defensive game plan was a situation where you could tell the coaches knew their players. It was more so we know our players more than – more than we are worried about your offense. We know what we can do. So this is the implement, this is the game plan we're going to implement, and um, you kind of have to bend to our will. So yeah. I thought that was amazing. Um, I always, almost was going to agree with Chris as far as, like, Chargers-Ravens game. Kind of I understand where you're coming from, Jerome, as far as the Eagles-Bears. I mean, that came down to – I mean, the fa- and it's funny. It's just like you think Cody Parkey misses the kick and then come to find out it's blocked, and it's like that is the staple of the Eagles – Right there in a nutshell, that front seven, that defensive line, just doing what they do uh, and actually blocking, tipping that, kick, uh, tipping that kick. And then, so for me, I think that the the game of the weekend um, was actually Colts-Texans. And the reason being, uh, the reason it was more most entertaining to me was, one, I was curious to see how Deshaun Watson would do in his first ever uh, playoff game. Um, there was a lot of hype about him last year. And whether or not he would be or would have been a difference maker in the playoffs last year, uh, seeing as how he kind of, you know, jumped onto the scene. So I was kind of, you know, curious and see to see how he do in his first playoff game, as well as I was extremely impressed with Andrew Luck. I think people can kind of get caught up in the moment, especially uh, what have you done for me lately type thing. And it's like people forget that before the injuries, Andrew Luck went to two straight AFC Championship games and did not have the team that he has now. Did not have a running game. Did not have a defense. He carried that team without question. Um, So, to me, that was the most interesting and entertaining game because it was like, wow. To me, it was a a tide turning in a sense where I'm like, wow. They've got a running game. They've got an offensive line. And they're building a defense. Andrew Luck might be the man in the future. Uh, everybody kind of speculated it, and, you know, he proved it without without the help. And now he's getting help. I think if they get another, you know, dynamic receiver and they continue to build that defense, continue obviously to build off the line, that's going to be a – they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. However, I want to transition here. So – a lot of things have been going on specifically now that the regular season is over. Um, the playoffs are underway. You know, some teams have already gotten knocked out of the playoffs. So with that being said, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there who have been, you know, being interviewed, who have actually already signed um, and different things like that. There's only two teams left without a coach. So my question to you guys is the first one. Who is the the one coach that you said, wow, that is the perfect fit or that you're just most interested in seeing and you're like, you know what, I think that's going to be a good marriage as far as the coaches who are already picked up. And I'll start with Chris. I gotta, I'm got i going to go ahead and go with the popular pick. I'm going to say Bruce Arians with Tampa Bay. I think with a lot of things that were going on with Jameis Winston, the constant changes from head coaches to offensive coordinators, like we talked about Lovey Smith in the season he had like 10 and 6. Lovey was never an offensive guy. He was always a defensive guy. Then they brought in Dirk Cutter thinking that, okay, this is going to be the guy that changes Jameis Winston around. And that never just been the case where 
who just keeps on a quarterback carousel with him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic every week. I think Bruce Arians is the perfect um, hand and glove fit. You've seen the you've seen the track record and the history he did um, in relief from Chuck Pagano, who was sick. Saw what he did with Andrew Luck during his rookie year, winning coach of the year there. What he did at the twilight of Carson Palmer's career, getting him an MVP consideration. If it wasn't for Cam Newton having that ridiculous year back in 2015 and one winning coach of the year in Arizona. Basically, anywhere that Bruce Arians goes, especially over the past several years, even dating back to back in Pittsburgh with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, he's been able to turn um, an offense around. They become the top-tier offense. It's like the Frank Wright effect. I think um, Jameis is going to be is going to lead anchor a top ten offense. You got the receivers around him. You got Mike Evans. I think OJ Howard's going to have a breakout year. You got Humphreys. You got Goodwin, and uh, maybe Peyton Barber's probably be, might might be able to replace what Doug Martin left. Okay, okay. It's funny that you you brought up uh, those quarterbacks. I mean, you just look at that track record of quarterbacks he's worked with. He's like Carson Palmer, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. I mean, the list goes on. The guy the guy is definitely what some people might deem a quarterback whisperer. Uh, and, and so, Jerome, who do you feel is that perfect fit where that guy where you're like, I want to see how this plays out? All right, so as a perfect fit, I think I agree with Chris. Bruce Arians, um, I really like him as a coach. Um, I always have since he's been in the league and been coaching. Um, he's a great coach. He, uh, I believe he was on Hard Knocks um, one year, and that really kind of uh, put a light on what kind of guy he is. And I think that, again, he is a quarterback whisperer. I think that he'll be great with, you know, Winston. If they choose to keep Winston, he might want to bring in his own quarterback. Um, that's yet to be seen. But uh, for me, the most interesting hire would be Cliff Kingsbury. Um, that one is very interesting just because, one, he's on that same kind of line as um, Sean McVay, young, innovative coach. Um, you know, he got fired from Texas Tech. He went to USC very briefly um, and then came straight to the NFL. I think that would be the most interesting. I'm not saying that he's going to be successful or he's going to be a bust. That's definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on um, just because all the the media um, and press that he's actually getting from all this. Uh, I don't know if y'all seen some of the uh, memes that have been going around about him. Um, just knowing Sean McVay could get a job kind of thing. That's, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But, like, things like that, he, he – you know, he's a really uh, young guy. He's very energetic. He's a uh, player's coach. Um, he dances with the players, have fun with them. Um, he's pretty pretty much like a player. Um, so it's going to be interesting how they take him in the NFL, if that's that kind of style is going to work. Um, it's ca- kind of a boom and bust kind of thing. So I'm really excited to see how uh, that kind of plays out. All right, all right. Excellent, excellent. That is definitely an interesting hire. I was actually shocked as well. Um, I think I'm going to go with – the most uh, uh, fitting hire to me is, and it's like the perfect fit for me is Vic Fangio in Denver. I think that one, I, I'm excited that the guy's got finally gotten a shot. He's finally getting a shot, and um, I've been a fan of him for years. I mean, you just look at the defenses and the players that he's, you know, pumped out and and, and kind of coached. You know, you got Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. Uh, Khalil Mack and all these. I mean, I just and now he's got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, and and he said it in his press conference. You know, that's his that's his specialty there, uh, the position. So 
I feel like um, I feel like that is definitely the 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 best fit. I mean, he's a tough nose, fundamentals type of guy. But I think the most interesting hire, without question, is Adam Gates to the Jets. Um, you know that one is just it's a little it's it's a little I okay it was shocking to me, uh, but at the same time it's interesting because I'm like, what can he get out of Sam Darn? What can he get out of this guy? Um, and what what did the Jets see in him that made them feel he was the guy for the job? Um, so I'm 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 curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, I don't. I think he's actually a, a pretty good quarter, uh, uh, a coach of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure as far as head coach. So I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how that's going to play out. But I think that he actually does bring out a little bit of Sam Darnold um, that uh, we kind of expected to see this year that he kind of showed early in spurts of, but kind of tapered off. Jerome? That one was definitely um, interesting. Um, I, I really do want to see uh, Adam Gates with uh, Darnold because I think he did a really – Good job with um, Tannehill. Tannehill was kind of on the uh, the back. And Jay end. Cutler. Let's not forget Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler had his too. best yeah. year under yeah. Adam Gates. He so. made those two quarterbacks look really good. Um, I mean, I don't think they're like world class quarterbacks, but he got the. I feel like he got the most out of both of them. Vic Fangio. I lo- I, I like that pick too. That, I think that was really good as well. That was actually one of my. You know, either him, him, and um, and Bruce Arians, but. Kind of know why he didn't get a head coach job in, in, in a sense. He's kind of weird. He's and a little, like, he's a little quirky. Yeah, he's a little quirky. But I think that's, <laughs> I think that the the thing about it is he's quirky, and I think it could just be a in front of people type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's more of a personable Correct. type person, which is why I think the players kind of gravitate to Correct. him and can buy into the system because they're like, we know this guy is for us. Correct. We know this guy is not trying to. He's trying to. You know, make sure we're in, in the best position possible. He definitely yeah. came off a little quirky. He's at the, a little, at the press yeah, conference. yeah. I definitely agree. I, I, I can't see him being a big press conference kind of coach. He might be a Belichick at some point, just kind of give him one word answers at some point. Because uh, kind of what I'm hoping. For. Yeah, he's a little weird. He's a little that weird. was a little. I was rough to watch. Yeah, a little rough to watch. Though I loved every one of his answers, and I loved how his face lit up when he got asked a question about his mom. Yeah. and everything like that. That was uh, that was that was awesome to see. So we're gonna go ahead and hit another quick sharp left turn and go back to playoffs, baby. So we want to talk about this weekend's games. And we've got a full slate of games. It is the divisional round. It's going to be amazing. So the question I'm going to ask, I'll start with Jerome first. What is the game that you are just like? I, If there's nothing else I do this weekend, I've got to see this one. Go. Chargers and Patriots. And... The simple reason is that the Patriots been kind of on a downslide this year. You know, obviously they still got first round by. I could talk about why I think that been, but um, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Chargers haven't beaten well. Philip Rivers haven't beaten Tom Brady yet, and I feel like this is this is the game to break that that mold right now. Um, just looking at all the matchups, I think this is like. One of those games that you're going to be excited through in, throughout the game. Uh, I don't think there's any um, anybody thinking like one side is way better than the other. Um, it's pretty close in comparison between the two teams. So I think you know, I, I think this is going to be the game where you know 
Filler Rivers win, they, I feel like they're going to the Super Bowl. Wow. And I said this, I did see that last week. If the Filler Rivers won last week, they're going to get in. I think this one will also. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Uh, I agreed with you. I think, like I said, they played the, the toughest defense. So go ahead and Chris. I'm going to go ahead and say the the game in Arrowhead. Um, Andrew Luck, Frank Wright, and the Indianapolis Coast traveled to Arrowhead to take on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think what you're looking at is the two quarterbacks that are going to be in that discussion for the best quarterback in all of football for years to come when the guard is changing. Aaron Rodgers has like a few years left. Drew Brees is about a year or two away from retiring. Tom Brady, the same thing. It's about time we've start shedding some lights on these younger quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think what you're going to look for at Arrowhead this weekend is the two premier players that are going to be in the a- featured in the AFC playoff picture and Super Bowl picture for years to come. I have the Chiefs winning this one. I think if, if any time to them breaking off the habits and breaking off the curse, they lost the last six home playoff games. That's really unheard of. You would think that having home field advantage in the playoffs would actually benefit you. It hasn't. And it, what better way for Andy Reid to break the snide is to beat the team that orchestrated a 28-point comeback Oof. on them five years ago. Never forget. Yeah, and the last time Andy Reid had the number one overall seed was back in 2004, and the last time he went to the Super Bowl. I think this is the Chiefs' year. I think Patrick Mahomes is the perfect quarterback and probably the best quarterback Andy Reid has ever coached throughout his all, entire career. You're talking about Michael Vick. You're talking about Donovan McNabb. And I'll even go one further. I'd say Patrick Mahomes has a lot more raw talent than even Brett Favre. So I think that this is a special year for Kansas City. Um, they have the weapons. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Sam Watkins coming back from injury. They have um, Tariq Hill. And their defense is a few – their defense is absolutely terrible. But I think they have enough in the front seven with Chris Jones, D. Ford, and Justin Houston to – attempts to cause havoc on that offensive line, which is probably the best offensive line in football in Indy. But it's going to be a good game. I definitely believe it's going to be a good game as well. And that was almost going to be my pick. I just um, – I agree with you. I think it, it may be a high-scoring game. But then I questions and concerns about the fact that the Colts didn't put up any more points against the Texans uh, in the second half of their game last week. However, I, we all can agree that the Texans' defense is better than the Chiefs. So – it makes sense. Um, so that might not be the case this week. Um, I'm just curious to see how that, that plays out. But the game I'm looking forward to, and I, I don't know why, it's a game, and I hate to say it, um, because it, it's it's kind of it's two teams where you're like, let's pause on the hype a little bit. But, you know, they, they've, they've played well. I, I'm going to go with Dallas and L.A. I think that that is going to be a, a very interesting game. I think it's not going to go the way people really expect it to go. I think – most people have, you know, the Rams winning, um, you know, prolific offense. Defense played much better uh, down the stretch of the year. However, let's not forget the Cowboys defense has been playing out of their minds recently. And let's not forget that they went, put a little hurting on the Saints. And the Saints were, uh, you're talking about clicking up on all cylinders at that point. And they were able to put a nice little beat down on them. And they got those two linebackers who just fly around on defense. I mean, Jalen Smith and, and, and Vander Ash, they're, they're just, I, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say that there is just a flat-out better, you know, uh, linebacker tandem in the league other than maybe, you know, Keekley and Davis 
maybe Wagner and Wright, but those two, I mean, they're second to none in my opinion. So um, they're playing extremely uh, phenomenal football right now on the defensive side of the ball. I think that they're built for playoff football in the sense that they run the football, they try not to turn the football over, they make enough plays, and I think that Dak Prescott didn't get enough credit for what he did uh, the last game. I'm not saying he played phenomenal. He just did exactly what the the Cowboys drafted him to do, and that's win football games. So, Chris, you had a, a comment. I think a lot of people actually are going with Dallas this week. I think the fact that the Rams have cooled off, especially over this last month, especially against top-tier playoff um, teams that aren't Seattle, I don't think a lot of people are believing or believers of the Rams. And you got to mention Tyler Gurley's um, knee injury is also a major factor. Um, Jared Goff, how can he handle the pressure of the game is being put on his hands? And it's funny enough that it comes down to Jared Goff versus Dak Prescott. Um, a few months ago, we actually had that discussion yep. about who would you rather trust in a big time situation, whether it be Jared Goff or Dak Prescott. Yeah. I said Jared Goff, but I'm leaning more towards Dak Prescott now. When the moment when the heat is on him, Dak Prescott does what he needs to do. He is I have a yet to see. Player. Yeah, I have yet to see Jared Goff in a high pressure situation. Okay, listen, this game is going to be on me. I feel like Jared Goff is more of a scripted quarterback. Like if everything is going accordingly, if, if Todd Gurley is going to get hit, is getting going off, getting his, then Jared Goff acts accordingly. It's going to be interesting to see this weekend if Jared Goff is going to be able to handle that pressure because if they lose, then Sean McVay is on too, and. With all this hype about how Sean, everybody's looking for that next Sean McVay, revolutionizing the offense, going into the future with this Sean McVay-style clone, it's, it, questions are going to be asked. And you have a lot of combustible elements on that defense if everything don't go right. You got Marcus Peters, you got Akeem Tlaib, you got Nandamika Sue. That's a lot of bad attitude if they lose. I definitely agree. I think, I think the reason I say that people are um, leaning more towards the Rams is because when they're at home, Two, they've had the bye week, so they're a little healthier. Uh, Todd Gurley has had, what, now three weeks to to rehab that knee. I think he comes back with a little juice uh, in his legs. And so, and I, like I said, the defense has definitely been playing a little bit better. They played a, a lot better, I should say, down the stretch. You know, to your point, they kind of tapered off as far as the record goes. Um, but I think that is a, a product of Todd Gurley being out uh, for the last two games as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, exactly what happens, what transpires this weekend. But with that being said, it's time for 10 minutes of takes. So with that being said, I like that. And we're talking, <laughs> we're talking playoffs, right? So my question to you, obviously, you know, let me go with the rules first. You guys know how it works. If you agree, don't say anything. We'll just go ahead and move on. If you disagree, raise your hand and you'll hear this sound. All right, so let's go ahead and get it started. The first take. The Chargers beat the Patriots by double digits this weekend. We've got some disagreement here. All right, Chris, you disagree. Why? No one, I've yet to see any other team since the Joe Flacco-led Baltimore Ravens and that's almost been six years ago. Go ahead to Foxborough and beat them by double digits. The Chargers offense didn't overly impress me against the Baltimore against the Ravens last weekend. I mean, granted, Baltimore's a lot better defense, but we have yet to yeah. see an LA Chargers team in cold weather in Boston in Foxborough. 
I, I just don't trust Phillip Rivers in that environment, in that situation, in which he's going to orchestrate an offense that's going to outgun Brady and Belichick. Okay. All right. All right. So Jerome agrees with uh, with the the take there that the the, the Chargers will will put up double digit points on the Patriots here. Next, the Eagles will upset New Orleans in the Superdome this weekend. Now, how you gonna do this to us, man? <laughs> Dude, you know, you, you know, I had to. You know, I had to. Do you agree or disagree, Jerome? Don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan. So, obviously, I want the Eagles to win, and I think they can. Will they? Yes. Oh, there it is, guys. You heard it here first. The CEO <laughs> of Inside the Ashes states it. I'm about to say, the don't. Eagles will upset the Saints in the Superdome. I'm about to say, don't weekend. teeter off the fence. Just jump on the other side. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now, here's the other side. Drew Brees. Throws five plus touchdowns versus the Eagles secondary. We've got some disagreement all on both sides here. Jerome, why do you disagree? I give them three to four. Okay. Maybe because they're gonna re- rely on a run game as well. Okay. Uh, I don't think okay. it's gonna be a, a total passing uh, attack. They're gonna try to run on us a little bit as well, uh, and I think that you know it's gonna be a high scoring game, obviously. But I can't see him getting more. Five or more. That's, yep. It's kind of tough. To you don't that. see uh, two two touchdowns, receiving touchdowns to Kamara, yes. two to Michael Thomas, and one to Ben Watson? No. Okay, but, uh, all right, listen, all right. Listen, listen our, our secondary has been playing a lot better uh, down a stretch. Um, down huh. a stretch. Down a stretch. <laughs> did you see that right? game against Chicago? Listen, down. How, how many points did they get pit up, though? Listen, did you I know, see? I know. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Down the stretch, they've been better. <laughs> they ha- and and even all that, they only allowed one touchdown. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't throw f- for five touchdowns in the first game. Mr. So. Trubisky is not all. He's also and not yeah. Drew Brees. He's the next Drew Brees, though. I get that, but Drew Brees didn't throw for five touchdowns in the last game where we had all those injuries. Very true. And you know, had guys off the street coming in. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. that's why I'm saying. That. And Chris, you disagree because, well, it's like what Jerome said. Um, they're, when was the last time we've seen Drew Brees go out and throw five touchdowns? It probably had to be like at the end of October or like early November. Like when we saw it last year, the tail end of the second half of last year, Drew Brees starts to rely more on that running game of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And it all depends on the game plan. If Sunday they started using Taysom Hill and like in the Wildcat, I don't see many opportunities for Drew Brees to go out and throw five touchdowns. If anything, I'm probably seeing him throw like two or three. Gotcha, gotcha, understood. So, we were talking about coaches, so this next take is uh, for Jerome, per se. Uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury shakes up the entire NFL draft and his organization, essentially, and actually picks Kyler Murray number one overall. Ah, there it is. We got some disagreement here. Both guys. Jerome, why do you disagree? I disagree because it's not the organizational kind of move. If if it was up to just the, the coach, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's going to want to get his guy. But the fact that the organization just spent a top 10 pick on a, a quarterback or organizationally, I don't think the organization would have that. I mean, 
I, I can't see him just dumping a quarterback after one year. Now, if it was up to him, I would say he'd do it. But you know, it's, it's a whole organizational thing. So I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. I I'll be surprised if it happened, and it would definitely shake up the league if that actually does happen. Chris, you disagree? Um, yes, because I don't think Kyler Murray's worth a first overall pick to begin with, and we have to talk. Cardinals' offense was absolutely horrible last year. That had nothing to do with Josh Rosen. Their offensive line was historically horrible. David Johnson really couldn't get anything going because of that. You still have Larry Fitzgerald. You still have Christian Kirk. Um, they they need to properly surround Josh Rosen with some kind of offensive line or some kind of talent because if you draft Kyler Murray first overall into the same situation, then it's not going to field you any better results. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so before you continue, though, remember if they if they get Kyler Murray, would would you think they'll trade Rosen or they'll keep Rosen as well? Um, you they would get rid of Rosen, but what kind of but what kind of like collateral would you give him? I can't see you getting less than a first round pick for him. I don't see anybody trading. Maybe maybe a high end second round, but I can't see nothing. And the most I I can see like a second and like a few like mid round picks, but I don't see anyone going out their way knocking on knocking on the Cardinals door for a first round pick for Josh Rosen. You don't think so? I mean, you, you're talking about a, a, a top ten overall pick, and there's there's a team who's already thinking about getting a quarterback, but they see that this is actually a pretty weak class for quarterbacks, and last year's class was much stronger. You don't think that a a, a team would uh, you know, go ahead and and make that make that thing a, 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 a or make that trade, make that thing happen. Well, you have to say the Cardinals were the worst team in football. If you draft Kyler Murray first overall, then like, what kind of leverage do you really have trading Josh Rosen for a first round pick? It was just like, oh well, this quarterback class is not that fine. I'm not really big a believer of Josh Rosen either, so I'm just gonna buy, do my due diligence. We can get like a. We can get like a lock from West Virginia in the second round, just have him wait, or get like a quarterback in the third round. So it's all up to Arizona if they're if their offers for it's just like a second round pick for Josh Rose, maybe they'll jump on it. But I don't see anybody jumping a first round. I think I think it's a I think it's up to the team who who wants them. If there's a team who's like you know what, no, we need this guy. And like I said, they were already planning on or wanted to take a quarterback in the first round this year, but they they decided not. You know, we 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 don't think it's the the right move. For example, a team like the Giants, you you know that the Giants were kind of looking at Sam Darnold and, and and Baker Mayfield last year. But the fact of the matter was, Baker was pretty much their guy because after which they ended up drafting Saquon Barkley. Um, and I'm not saying that they 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 felt or uh, they believed that Josh Rosen could be that guy. But if he was on their board last year as you know maybe one of those top three guys. I could see them pulling the trigger, um, or so, maybe even, or maybe even a team like Jacksonville, who's who's clearly looking to stabilize that position. If they again alone, and, and we're talking about teams who are saying that our primary need is quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, it's just it's just depending on that team and their need and what they felt uh, they needed. Like for example, so even like I said, you know, a team like Jacksonville because they went so far in the playoffs last year. Uh, it potentially took them out of the running for one of those top-tier quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? So we'll go ahead and end it with this. these last two takes here. The Colts hold the Chiefs under 21 points. And there's the disagreement. Chris, you first. The one thing that the Colts did really well was, was ball control offense. 
Marlon Mack was able to run all over that Texas defense with um with the, with the all-time uh, rushing yards from Colts history for a playoff game because of their offensive line. The thing is, is that the Chiefs really don't need that much time at all to go ahead and score. It'll take three plays, a bomb to Tariq Hill here, then like two other plays to Travis Kelsey, and then bam, they're on the scoreboard. I don't. I think the Chiefs' offense is way too dynamic, even with the loss of Kareem Hunt. Patrick Mahomes is still putting up 38 points a game with this uh, with this team. So I don't see them holding on 21 points. I think the game's going to be in the high mid to high 30s, and it all just going to depends on who gets the ball last. All right, Jerome, you disagree? We're talking about the league MVP. Oh, <laughs> he's calling it right now. MVP. Patrick Mahomes and, and Deontay's words, Patrick Mahomes. Boy. I mean, <laughs> Mahomes already had Mahomes already had it. Like after that yeah. terrible. <laughs> that, that terrible Dallas loss to Drew Brees had. That was my home yeah, to lose at that point. Exactly. So yeah, I, I can't I can't say that he's not gonna sc- he's gonna be at least twenty four points. At least. Okay. All right, all right. And I, so I can't see it being less than that. That's I don't know. All right, we'll go ahead and end it with this one. Ezekiel Elliott outrushes Todd Gurley this weekend. Oh, everybody's in agreement here. Wow, okay. Actually, pretty shocking. All right. With that being said, we'll go ahead and close out 10 minutes to take, and we'll shut this thing down. It is the Air It Out podcast. Guys, do not forget. Do not forget. Check out the website, www.insidethehashes.com. Again, folks, we've got a blog. We've got a blog. Check out the interviews. Check out the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Inside the Hashes. Follow us on Twitter at Inside Hashes. Check us out on Facebook at Inside the Hashes Sports Talk. And tell Christopher Thomas to put some respect on Christian McCaffrey's name. It's the Air Out Podcast. For Christopher Thomas, Jerome Jones, I'm Avery Collins. We are over and out. Peace.